What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Aussie podcast. This week, we're going to be analyzing the UFC 274 pay-per-view, and we're coming off a good week, Aussie. Both Profit and our Bet MMAs, our best bet parlay of the week one, and I felt last week was just a pretty solid podcast and good reads from us, so uh, I imagine you had a pretty good week. How was New Orleans? How was uh, last week's betting for you, and how are you looking forward to this week? Definitely, I would probably say one of my better uh, weeks of the year so far when you uh, throw in the NFL draft. I think I swept that except for like one or two uh, plays for the most part. And then, like you said, you know, podcast, uh, you know, was really, really good. Uh, even some long shots or things that, you know, were leans like Brito, uh, KO and, you know, uh, Dawson submission, you know, uh, coming through and some some things like that. And then uh, and then a few of the, you know, like you said, the best bets like game. Green, you know, coming back uh, late after after getting uh you know knocked down there a bit, so was a I, th- I thought a pretty good overall card action wise. Um, MMA media just really annoys me how they you know go back and like oh well it, it delivered, but you know it was still a bad card, but you know whatever it is. Um, um, but yeah, I just think that uh, this this pay per view card very very good mix. Looking forward to it. Have some some good bets that uh that I'm feeling good about and uh and yeah, ready to you know it's a big fat uh 15 fight card, so uh gonna definitely have to pace yourself uh, through it and uh, hopefully make it through uh profitable. Yeah, 1.39 unit profit for me. Uh, we got hosed a little bit on the Jay Collier decision, of course. Um, would have been a really good night without that, but still a solid night of profit. And uh, yeah, you hit some good big props. I called out uh Gabe Green knockout round two plus 1200 last week. So so some, some big props coming through for us. That's always nice when that happens. Uh, real quick, before we get into this week, how many uh, bet MMA profits did you have? Uh, 3.81 only uh, units in the profit. Only uh, loss was, uh, you know, thinking that a Feely fight would go later. Feely's uh, chin failed him, though. He, you know, his jab was just too easy to counter there. And, you know, he got detonated on by a burrito right hand. But it is what it is. Um, overall, you know, other than that, you know, swept the board. So, you know, pre- pretty good over week overall. Nice. And uh, that's going to do it for last week's recap. We got to get right into this uh, week. Oh, of course. And we got to say great performance from Cheeto Vera. He deserved that main event for a long time. And he, uh, he, you know, he proved it that he deserved it. So, you know, very happy for our boy to get that win. And um, we got 15 fights, so we got to get into these bitches. We got Journey Newsom taking on Fernie Garcia. Fernie Garcia making his UFC debut, and he is the favorite here at minus 149. Journey Newsom plus 129. So um, just taking a look at Fernie Garcia's uh, contender series fight. I mean, this guy looks uncomfortable at, in striking range to me. He's leaning away from shots. He doesn't really have good boxing defense. He can be leg kicked. He doesn't really offensively grapple either. So I just think based on how skittish this guy looked on the contender series that you can't be betting this guy as a favorite it's just a matter of do you want to take the stab on Newsom? uh i do think Newsom is probably the better overall fighter he, he has tighter boxing um comes from like a, a, a boxing uh taekwondo background kind of a mix of the two and uh, i think you could probably argue a small bet on Newsom here just because he's a little more experienced we've seen him in the ufc for longer so uh, i think there's a good chance these guys just swing to the death and one of them gets knocked out but i'll, I'll side with the the dog uh Newsom for probably a small bet here uh what are you thinking about the first fight of the night yeah i, pref- I definitely prefer the uh, journey uh Newsom side um overall you know i felt that um garcia was so bad that i bet that bomb weems on the contender series when they came in together 
Um, so obviously, I think I have to take the UFC level guy in uh, in Journey here as well. Um, I just think that you know his grappling. I think overall is is uh, a little bit higher level than uh, than Journey's is. He trains uh, up in that north or trained in that northwest with impact jiu-jitsu i'm a little familiar with them uh, and and that is definitely a solid uh, uh ground game and jiu-jitsu camp uh i think he just got his black belt as well from them um and overall i think he, he's pretty quick overall he, he might be a little undersized to the weight class but uh garcia has doesn't really have power doesn't show very good conditioning as uh either which you know at 135 is definitely an issue um and i think uh be, because he's not overly large i think that uh journey's gonna be able to be on the front foot a little bit more here, not be bullied like he was against Ricardo uh, Hamos um, and some of his other opponents, and uh, maybe be able to take this fight into into the later rounds. Um, I'm not very, I don't have that much conviction on uh, finish or you know a stoppage or if it's going to go the distance. But you know, I think if I did play a journey, I would try to take a piece also of him by decision, just because Garcia is a He's a little weaselly, I feel like, you know, he does slow down, but I think he could uh, potentially stay in the fight later on. And I think journey by decisions like plus 240 or so. So we'll take that dog shot uh, in the opening fight. Yeah, having a bet on the first fight of the night is always a fun feeling. So we'll go with the dog there. Next fight is in the women's strawweight division. We got Lupe Godinez is one of Ozzy's girls here taking on. Ariane Carnosoli, plus 160 for Carnosoli, minus 185 for the favorite Godinez. Uh, what are you thinking about the first women's fight on this card? I laid claim to Godinez very, very early, so I don't want to see any, any, any nonsense about anybody else. Uh, you know, trying, trying to, you know, call dibs on her. Um, but I think it's a difficult matchup overall from her for her. She's going from uh, probably the least uh, physical, uh, physical and you know, athletic, you know, girl in the division. Your girl, uh, Loma, Loma, Lump, whatever the fuck, uh, and she's going against whatever. Carnelosi is on. Uh, she's on, you know, some 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 thick uh, some thick anabolics. Uh, she's jacked. She looks like, you know, all she does is curls and dips. And I think it's gonna be tough for, you know, Godinas to potentially get her down and keep her down, you know, in the same way that she was getting in on Loma. Uh, and then that range, Carnelosi. The issue is she just doesn't really stay at range and allow you to uh, to cut angles and throw really clean punches. And if that is what you're looking to do, it's going to be very uh, energy, you know, demanding, right? You're going to have to continue moving your feet. You're going to have to continue to uh, change the speed on your strikes and the angles of them. Uh, so, so definitely uh, is, is a taxing fight that she's going to bring. You know, She's really sloppy, but the thing is, Godinez does not have, like, I have never seen her have really fight-ending power. She has has gone five rounds, so, you know, her car cardio is, you know, pretty good. Uh, I don't think it's, like, world-class or top-level, um, so I think, you know, it's going to be a difficult fight for both of them. Um, it's going to be very gritty, um, but I can see Godinez is wrestling and that technical acumen of it, uh, you know, come on top in the scrambles, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Carnelosi on top of her, right? Um, even Loma, that little boy, was able to, to come out on top of uh, Godinez, Godinez on a few occasions. So I think it's going to be a sweaty fight. And the people that think that this is going to be an easy walkthrough for Godinez, I think are very incorrect. Um, the, the price on Carnelosi got really crazy. Got up to like plus 180, plus 190 uh, almost. And, you know, my simpism 
for for Godina has you know clouded my vision uh and and kept me away from that but i mean if i was going to make a bet at this point at a plus 150 number it would definitely be on carnalosi just because i don't think that uh lupi's going to really put her away um unless you know i don't think she's going to put her away um and then you know uh, i think it could be a contentious you know first two rounds and a third round where the pressure of carnalosi you know comes through um, so, you know, I'll pick Godinez. I would only play Carnalosi. And if I would back Godinez, honestly, it would have to be, even though I said that I, I don't think she's in the finisher, it would have to be like a by submission or, you know, inside the distance because I could see Carnalosi being, you know, a little overzealous over eager you know uh, uh, and getting planted on the ground and godina's getting a, a a good position there like the back mount or something like that and then getting the finish but i think it's gonna be a really really difficult fight and i'm i'm, I'm uh, intrigued to watch it yeah i mean i'm in agreement with most there i won't add too much i just think that carnalosi is just a, a crazy physical athlete and even though godinez is the more skilled fighter she's definitely the cleaner striker um probably is the better overall grappler too i mean if you saw carnalosi's uh fight against liang just a bunch of sloppy grappling exchanges there i mean i think that if you're worried about you know godinez establishing top you should go back and rewatch how sloppy the grappling was against that na liang woman um so carnalosi i think uh, her her skill is definitely uh, she's at a skill disparity here, but she can keep herself in the fight with just her physicality. So I agree that the pick will definitely be Godinez by decision. But I think that uh, it is definitely Dogger Pass not interested in Godinez at this price. And that <clears throat> that's going to move us along to the flyweight division. We have uh, Cleetson Rodriguez making his long-awaited UFC debut. CJ Vergara is his opponent. Cleetson Rodriguez minus 350 coming back cj vergara plus 285 so uh i thought rodriguez looked like one of the better prospects coming out of the contender series last year um but then rewatching his fight i i did see that he he does you know take his time he is patient he is you know i think a pretty high level striker um but he also doesn't have the highest volume he's looking to really pick his shots well um, and that always isn't the best recipe for uh, these lower weight classes because sometimes volume and aggression can can sway these rounds and I think that we could see Rodriguez maybe taking his time a little bit too much. And I think Vergara comes forward. He puts up high volume. One thing I noticed about the Vergara fight against O'Day is even though he lost that fight, he did land more and more strikes each round. So the third round was his best round. He knew he was down in that fight. He came out aggressive. He had a big round three, uh, landed some strikes, landed a takedown. So he showed some grit in that fight to me. He showed good cardio. Um, and I think that uh, Vergara is going to probably be game here at plus 300. You know, he'll be way above plus 300 by the time the fight comes. Um, so I, I think this is kind of like a prove uh, a spot where Rodriguez has to prove himself. There's no way you could be betting on him at minus 350 here. I wouldn't even parlay him. And I think it's really Vergara a pass here. So I hope Rodriguez is the real deal. I hope he wins this fight in impressive fashion. Um, but there's no way I could be laying this heavy chalk on him to do so. So. Uh, the only option is to stab on Vergara here. Cool fight. Both these guys are tough. I think both these guys are durable. They bring the fight. They bring the action. You know, they're they're all come, you know, to come forward. Uh Rodriguez was a guy who fought uh CFFC staple in uh Santo in his uh debut in his uh uh, contender series fight and i was all over rodriguez there uh you know even with the lack of tape i mean you could just tell this guy's the goods he's uh you know high level athlete has, i remember uh, that you texted me before the fight and you said this rodriguez 100%. guy is the real deal 
hundred percent. He, you know, he he's got really clean striking, powerful. Uh, has the variety uh, on the feet and then on the ground, you know, and in the wrestling as well. You know, he he's also very talented. I don't know how long he can stay at this one twenty five weight class. Vergara also, you know, he missed weight last time, so watch these guys in the scales uh, potentially. Um, but I, you know, I I do think this could have potential to be a close fight. You know, uh, Rodriguez he he doesn't push the pace, you know, a, to a crazy degree. Um, I think and I think it is to conserve maybe some some energy. So you know, the the over two and a half is a line that you know minus one twenty five. It opened at a dog price here. Um, I think that's a little bit interesting here, just because um, I I do think that uh both these guys you know will will are pretty quick, so they might be able to avoid. Each other, uh, each other's uh, strikes, especially early on, um, and then maybe that'll take uh, some power out of both of them, where it'll be a little bit more difficult to to get a finish. Um, but if uh, otherwise, maybe you look at uh, Rodriguez by submission. I think might be uh, a little bit more likely of an outcome than, they, than they're giving the credit for. Um, but I, I'm going to be looking at potentially this to go the distance or the over for a very small play, just because it is no longer plus money. Uh, but but that's the only uh, play that I'd be looking to do. And then otherwise, uh, looking to gather information uh, between these two guys. Yeah, I agree with that. Over goes the distance take. Only issue is Vergar getting dropped by uh, Jacob Silva. But I think that could maybe will be an outlier. Or, Hopefully. Uh, that was a small-ass cage, though. They were in, like, a tiny little cage. And he did still come on top of that fight. So, you know. Um, Next fight, one of your most awaited ones here. We got women's flyweight division. The undefeated in the UFC, Tracy Cortez, taking on Melissa Gatto. Cortez minus 141, Gatto plus 121. What are you thinking about the second woman's fight on this card? I love this fight. I love this fight a lot. Um, and I think that, you know, I think this is going to be uh, where people find out or I don't know. I, I think they're, we're going to find out a lot uh, between these two girls. We're going to find out, is Tracy Cortez really a UFC fighter? Um, and is Melissa Gatto the level of prospect that I think she is? Um, because I think this is a good matchup for Melissa Gatto, even though this is a hometown fight for Tracy. Now, let me just put it like this. Uh, you know, uh, Tracy, you know, she's won a lot of her fights uh, just getting takedowns, you know, getting to the back body triangle. Almost winning her fights like Grant Dawson does. Funny enough, another guy that I like, um, you know, getting a takedown person exposes their back, locking a body triangle, then doing nothing, you know, for the most part. Um, but she's been fighting like she fought Justin Keish, slowed down, didn't even make 125, you know, and then those other two fights against Edgar and Melissa or Vanessa Mello were just, I don't know, Vanessa Mello is very immobile. She's at like 155 in the PFL now. So, I mean, that, that was like a gimme fight. And the Stephanie Edgar one, I don't know, it just, Stephanie Edgar just did not have enough of a striking attack at that time and was just looking too slow for Tracy and Tracy was, you know, not Cutting down that 125 weight class. But overall, I just think that, you know, her her offense is just like, you know, on the feet. I don't like what she does. And then when she gets the takedowns, like she 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 does I don't think she's that aware on the ground and and that good of a grappler. And I think Melissa Gatto, between the submissions, the sweeps, the awareness that she has, you know, off her back, you know, uh her last fight against Sarge uh, Eubanks. Eubanks is a very, very big girl for 125, has a hard time making it, but other than uh, Mackenzie Dern has 
probably the most experience in high level jujitsu matches just from her background in uh with Lloyd Irvin, right? She she went all the way up to black belt, I think, there and for like three, four, five years was uh competing almost every week in all the you know jujitsu tournaments around the world, both gi and no gi. So, you know, she's a very, very uh competent grappler. And you saw Melissa Gatto was able to stay patient, you know, there. Uh some of the maneuvers she was look she was able to 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 hit there, um, you know, keep keeping distance, moving her hips, hitting a hook sweep, lo looking for submissions, looking to land on top when takedowns happened. Um, and then in her other fights, you know, she she has looked pretty good in the clinch. She knows how to block the hips. Uh, she has that inside trip uh, of her own that uh, Tracy Cortez uh, is really good at that she definitely learned from Henry Cejudo. So she's, she's competent and aware at everything that Tracy does well. And then on the feet, she's long. She throws that one-two really, really cleanly. She's got kicks. She'll throw leg kicks. You saw that body kick she landed on Sarge. Um, and then overall, she just built different. Um, I told uh, Martian before this, like, I feel Tracy, no offense to her, but I think she's built for Instagram and Melissa Gatto is built for the UFC cage. Uh, so I think that this is going to be a coming out party for Melissa Gatto. The line's already been moving down. I've taken a pretty good sized position on her. You know, I'm down to do a little bit more as well. Uh, th these were slightly better numbers uh, beforehand. I'll tell you already, it'll be my best bet of the week. Um, but I just think this girl's powerful. Uh, she, she's, she's looking to do damage in that cage. Um, and even if this is a hometown fight for uh, for Tracy Cortez, I just feel that the offense that she's shown ha is not going to translate very well here. And I think Melissa Gatto is going to get a big win on Saturday and uh, announce herself in this uh, 125 division. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you know pretty much everything there. Uh, my history with Cortez is on Bet MMA. I tried my biggest bet ever for her against uh, Vanessa Mello. I parlayed her against Justine Kish and. I think I'm done. I think I'm done betting her for the foreseeable future. I mean, after just squeaking out that split decision over Justine Kish, which on rewatch, really good argument that she lost the last two rounds there. Um, there's no way you could be betting Cortez is a favorite anymore. I mean, the woman just doesn't do enough. Ozzy hit a lot of good points about her. Um, once she gets her takedown, she doesn't really look to submit. She kind of just holds on. Um, her striking threat is, is really abysmal. Um, and I think this might be the first fight since she's dating, uh, uh, Brian Ortega too, right? I wonder how that'll go. Um, I wonder if we'll see any, uh, effects, maybe like, maybe she'll, Cortez will get her ass kicked the entire fight and then she'll come back with like a round three triangle. Um, but Gatto is just, you know, a fucking unit, man. I mean, she is so much more muscular and like her frame is just crazy, man. I mean, I remember I bet uh, Victoria, uh, Victoria Leonardo against Gatto and then like seeing Gatto in the cage, I just knew how fucked we were right off the bat. I mean, this woman is just a tank um, and she's the much better striker. I mean, she's a, a damaging striker. And then I mean, I saw everything I needed to against Sarge Eubanks and with her bottom game. I know she got held on bottom in round one there, but in round two, just look at the way she's getting her guard back. She, I think, has a really good understanding of, um, you know, the guard submissions. Uh, she can attack Kimuras and triangles and arm bars. And, you know, she had a really nice butterfly sleep on, on Sarge Eubanks, too. And I think that Sajara is uh, a heavier on top than Cortez is. So I think that even if Gatto gets taken down here, I trust her bottom game to be able to stay safe. And 
and when this fight's on the feet, I mean, Gatto is going to be doing damage to Cortez. And if those body kicks and those uh, body shots are landing, Cortez will slow down even more than she did last fight. And I think Gatto is going to really pull away late here. So maybe even look to add some more live. I think Cortez could definitely win round one here with her grappling. But I think that she'll definitely fade in the later rounds and Gatto will build in those later rounds too so i agree with ozzy even at pre-fight she is the side to be betting on uh, i have a bet on her as well and um like i said maybe look to be adding some live bets here as well uh, if she's she starts slow she can come back and, and uh, pull this one off anyway so uh we're in agreement there next fight short notice fight thrown together on really late notice andre fialo coming off a knockout just two or three weeks ago taking on cameron van camp making his ufc debut uh we got feel out uh feel out minus 350 van camp plus 285 um i mean I, I don't see much skill from van camp on the other side i mean his fights are sloppy they're in really low level regional promotions i mean even if you, if you watch his most recent fight i mean just a total sloppy fighter in every phase of the fight especially the defensive boxing area so feel should uh, have all the tools to knock him out feel out much more experienced harder hitter better striker uh, but the fact that this was thrown together on two weeks feel out did just fight like not that long ago and it wasn't exactly an easy fight too you know he did eat some shots there from Baeza before pulling off the comeback knockout so I'd say it probably is dog or pass just based on the fact that there's a lot of volatility and, uh, you know, uncertainty going on here. But I would also be pretty surprised to see Van Camp win a UFC fight. So um, do with that what you will. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Do you have any? Yeah, we talked a little bit about um, Van Camp when he was supposed to fight Nicholas Mata. I mean, I, I kind of labeled this guy as like, and now I see it kind of clearly like he's just kind of like a UFC jobber that they'll just call they'll just call him when they have like a guy that they want to uh, have uh, get knocked out by. Um, they put this together on like 10 days notice, like doesn't even make uh, a lot of sense. There are no props on this fight uh, yet, but, you know, I wouldn't really like to bet Fialo. I mean, you know, you get in this guy 80 percent when, you know, almost where. You know, they're going to just be exchanging and, you know, Van Camp, you know, he's not good at sloppy fights, but he is used to just, you know, brawling with guys. Um, So he might ha and he might have a better chin, th chin than a guy like Baeza does. And you know that Fialo doesn't really have great cardio. He's doing another weight cut here. Um, He's probably high on his own supply here. He I don't know if he expected to get this fight. So. You know, I, I wouldn't parlay it like, you know, it's just like too too many unknowns for this fight. It's an action fight, you know, littered onto the card here and dropped in, you know, in the middle of it. So good good one to I say pass on, enjoy it. Hopefully there's some violence on it and you're like, oh, you know, great, you know, great knockout or whatever it is. Maybe play an under uh, if it drops and you could get a good number. But other than that, you know, I would pass on it overall. Um. That's a good analysis of that one. Next fight, heavyweight division. Blagoy Ivanov making his comeback after two years, taking on Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Uh, Ivanov is the favorite, minus 140. De Lima, plus 120 on the comeback. So do you think the the old Bulgarian here at, at the favorite is the right move to be making? Interesting fight. I'm not too sure. You know, I think it's been, how long has it been since Bilagoy fought? It has two to years. be, that's almost three, two is, I thought it might have been three. Oh, he fought, oh, right. He fought Sakai in an early COVID event. So, you know, I mean, he should have won that Sakai fight. You know, he took Sakai down at one point and, you know, it was like one of the crazier uh, fence grabs you'll see. Um, and then, you know, after that, he was just, I think like his whole corner and him, they were all like, you know, all over the place. And he arguably still won that fight. Um, obviously, this guy, you know, it's very difficult to hurt him. 
um you know he's he's uh francis and is like main sparring partner in vegas which is insane uh but the the reason is because you can't hurt him uh and but i'll tell you the lima is gonna try uh very very hard um and he's coming off that win over ben rato where he just where he, he was just so much quicker than him it was kind of hilarious it was almost like one of those like street fighter like special moves when you, you know you hit those buttons in the back and the guy just goes nuts um and that's how it looked like and i wouldn't be surprised if it looked like that here again but the issue for for me is you know blogoy he he i think he has a grappling advantage here durability uh potentially advantage uh he's got way more heart than delima does he's got a better ground game and a clinch game i feel as well um and i think he he wouldn't accept bottom position like some people that uh delima has fought in the past so i mean this price i don't mind it here on blogoy like I'm not taking anything over minus 140. Like, I'm not getting close to that 60% number just because I think that's like the cutoff where, you know, you have to give uh, Delima some equity on a good amount of equity on the KO, just even though how uh, tough Blagoy is. Um, you know, you don't know if he's, you know, potentially taking too many punches from Francis to suck away some of that uh, durability. Um, but I feel that, you know, Blagoy could potentially land that overhand left, right? He fights from, if I'm not uh, incorrect, from the southpaw stance a good fair bit of, amount of time. Um, and and Delima doesn't usually fight uh, fighters like that. Um, the under right now is at minus 125 for the two and a half. I mean, Delima's a quitter, you know, and I don't like to say that because me and me and Delima, we're birthday bro boys, we're birthday bros, you know, it's our birthday month, Gemini. You know, he's a Gemini, yeah. he's a Gemini like me, exactly, but he's fickle like that, you know, he'll be, when, he's a front runner sometimes, right, he'll have, you know, a strong Lima, you know, in the first, you know, early part where he's fucking you up, and then weak Lima comes out later on in the fight, but, you know, I'm interested also to see the weight Lima comes in at 259, he was, he was walling out on Big Ben, but at 260, you know he was just holding maurice green um but blagoy is a different level heavyweight i'm interested i know some sharp guys are on the the lima side um i think this would be a good fight um i'll gravitate and and pick the uh blagoy side and you know i'm interested maybe in blagoy itd as well which is almost two to one two to one in some books so i think that's pretty solid yeah i mean i'm pretty i'm pretty conflicted about this fight on one hand Ivanov, um he's 35 but i swear this dude is closer to 45 than 35 you know he was stabbed in the chest at one point with like a gigantic knife so that probably aged you a few years but um he, he's like a low output boxer type of guy right his all of his wins are typically by decision or most um I think he's fairly slow. He's coming off a two-year layoff. I mean, those are a lot of, of concerns right off the bat. And the, <clears throat> the fact that he's still the favorite, I mean, does go to show that he he is the more skilled fighter. That, you know, at one point, uh, Ivanov's prime version definitely beats Delima. But now the 2022 version, I think you do have to be pretty skeptical of. Um, but Delima tends to collapse at, like, the first sign of adversity. I mean, he either wins by early knockout, which he's done a few times lately. He wins by dominant decision where the guys have no takedown defense, no bottom game. But he also, uh, you know, collapsed against Stefan Struve. I mean, he he won round one so easily against Stefan Struve and still found a way to lose that fight in round two. Um, you know, he's just not a guy who who really battles through adversity well. He's not a tough, you know, gritty type of fighter. Uh, Ivanov, I would say, you know, is. I mean, like I said, the dude battled back from being stabbed with like a, an eight inch blade in the center of the chest, by the way. Um, and 
you know, Ivanov hasn't even been losing these fights decisively. Made it close against Sakai. Made it close against uh, Lewis. Like you said, uh, the, the the cage grab was big for Sakai. The crowd popping off for uh, for Lewis was big in those decisions. So uh, I don't think Ivanov has shown too many signs of slowing down. But I also don't think that uh, I'm interested in betting him off this layoff. Uh, and I could see Dilema coming out hard, maybe landing some hands on Ivanov. Ivanov does have a pretty good chin historically. I would be interested to see the wrestling of this fight. Who is going to end up on top? I think if anybody ends up on top, I think Dilema has a better chance at keeping that top position. We actually have seen Dilema escape bottom before in the UFC, so I trust him a little bit more. But I don't really know. I'm leaning towards the dog in terms of like a betting perspective, but I also think this fight might be one to just sit back and pass or uh, pass on and watch because there's just not enough conviction to be betting on on this. Um, so that's enough about that one. Uh, next fight flyweight division we got uh brandon roy vall one of our most disliked fighters in the podcast taking on matt schnell and roy vall is a pretty pretty decent favorite here minus 235 schnell plus 200 he's plus 220 right now on FanDuel. so i mean i'm interested in betting against roy vall at almost any price right and when you give me two to one i'm i'm definitely going to be interested but i don't really see any area where Schnell has a big advantage here you know Schnell is not an offensive wrestler so Roy Vall uh, his terrible defensive wrestling won't likely be exposed here um, so this fight likely will stay striking um, but if it does end up in the grappling Schnell a dangerous submission threat you know has multiple subs in the UFC I don't necessarily see Schnell ending up on top and keeping top to win rounds but he could definitely submit Roy Vall in, in a crazy scramble and the striking, I do think, slightly favors Roy Vall just because uh, he's long, he's high output, he, he throws a big variety of offense. But Schnell's a solid boxer, uh, nice uh, orthodox versus southpaw matchup here. I think Schnell uh, has maybe a speed advantage in the hands. And hopefully Schnell just comes out throwing a high amount of punches because I think that could make Roy Vall uncomfortable. Um, and it'll be close. And there's just no way that you could be betting on Roy Vall to cover minus 200 in the UFC. He's just pretty incapable of doing that uh has not co come close to covering minus 200 in a single ufc fight so far so uh, i'm down for a small bet on schnell and you know don't overthink it yeah i mean i share the same sentiments i mean i just don't like brandon roy Vell as a fighter like this guy i mean you know he, he there's no power on any of his strikes right so he the way he and is smart the way that he tries to uh you know uh, make up for that is by just spinning all the time spinning strikes you know flying knees jumping knees um you know having insane cardio right obviously right to just you know rack up volume but overall i mean this guy's garbage i feel overall like yeah he's won some fights but i mean he he just needs like big moments. He needs you to get tired, you know. And 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 I think this matchup honestly is very good for Mashnell. You know, Mashnell has almost died a few times making weight. Like I don't know what happened last time. I'm not gonna get into it too much, but apparently like he closed his eyes to like drink some water or some shit, and you know the commission rushed him and they canceled his fight. Whatever, but just like this dude's footwork is pretty clean. He keeps his hands up. You know, he's he he's gonna be able to cut angles on Brandon Roy Val. Look at the strikes that Brandon Roy Val throws at you know uh Bonterin. Like Bonterin's like, are you kidding? Like they they have they have no effect. And then uh, anytime that Bonterin, who is not a good striker, throws strikes, he hits this guy clean on the chin, right? Like spinning his head around. Um, and I think that Schnell's gonna be able to do the similar. Um, 
the fact that Schnell is not very durable, right? He's had his shin cracked a few times. I mean, this shouldn't be that big of an issue here against uh, Roy Val unless he gets hit again, like I said, with one of those spinning strikes or whatever it is. But, I mean, there's just no way that I could get to this price on Brandon Roy Val for him to reliably be a guy who, you know, I feel that Brandon Roy Val is a little bit of a loose grappler. I feel that... uh you know, Schnell is more of a classically trained, you know, he'll, he'll get some good positions, you know, in, in, in the grappling. And even though he's not like he's not shown to be a wrestler, you know, Brandon Roy Valfeis just end up on the ground like some way, shape or form. Like you could grab this guy's leg right off a kick. You could catch it and he'll just fall down. Uh, and and I think Schnell should be able to have the cardio and conditioning to maybe not let him up to the feet, consolidate some positions. And when they are on the feet. The footwork of Matt Schnell, the way he cuts angles, is able to reset, not stay on the cage, uh, throw straight shots, has better shot selection. I just there, There's just no way that I could get to this plus 200 number. And I think you get here mostly on the fact that this guy's got his chin cracked a few times. Um, and, you know, they have a common opponent, right? Their last opponent, or second to last, I don't remember, uh, is, is Bontarin. Bontarin fucked up Mashnell, and he got lost, barely, to um, Brandon Royval. Um, so this is like a crazy price. Like, Brandon Royval shouldn't be 2-1 to one against anyone that has any semblance of cardio. Um, so it's very odd to me. So plus 210, 215. I got a 220 here on FanDuel. Give me that all day. Um, if he sleeps, uh, Schnell, so be it. But I don't think that he's in a – like they're giving him uh, 220 – one plus 150 for Roy Val's submission on DraftKings. Insane. Crazy. Crazy to me. Like where, um, where do they get that number from? <laughs> I, I don't know. He's just not that great of a grappler for him to be able to submit guys in this weight class like that that aren't like just gassing. You know what I mean? Like the way the reason that he submitted uh, Tim Elliott, he gassed, he rocked, you know, Kai Car France, right? But some of these submissions that he pull, he's pulling are like they're the same kind of submissions that freaking uh, Schnell pulls, right? They're like you know, you know, opportunistic subs and stuff like that. But Matt Schnell is not the kind of guy that really gives you you know subs like that. So I could be eating crow at the end of the day, but that's a crazy price. Like if you take that, like that's like kind of donating money long-term to the books. So give me Matt Schnell here on the money line. Schnell knockout too, plus 1,000. I love it all. All the Schnell um, lines are, 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 are a good value, I think. Next to another women's fight, three out of four women's fights in the card. Uh, featherweight division here. Um, we got Macy Chasson taking on Norma Dumont. Norma Dumont, the favorite at, uh, let's see, minus 220. Chasson coming back, uh, plus 185. And you can start this one off, right? Yeah, very, very cool of them to put in a bathroom break fight here uh, where, you know, right before like a few fights before the main card, you know, after you've had like, you know, six or seven fights on the prelims. I mean, you know, Macy, she's back up at this 145 weight class. You know, she had that fight against Ladd canceled in October, takes a short notice fight against Raquel in December, misses weight at the at 10, right? She's supposed to fight Ladd at bantamweight misses 10 pounds up by like three pounds uh for no reason and then gets absolutely dominated i mean i think she started off strong or fine but i mean that tap to that guillotine like ridiculous Insane. <laughs> yeah i couldn't believe that that was a real submission that raquel caught but i love raquel but either way you know macy like just like her takedowns and stuff like that like that's how she would need a win here 
just because on the feet, like I feel like, you know, her gangly arms, they're not really, you know, really effective. Like the offense that she actually puts out, you saw in the Renault fight and the Shannon Young fight, she had to go to the grappling, you know, at some point. And I think Dumont, just like a pretty hard girl to grapple just because how thick she is. She's pretty, um, you know, she doesn't give that many opportunities overall to, to, to grapple her. Um, and, and yeah, so I think that she's gonna be like throwing little leg kicks. This fight's gonna be awful. Like, awful. If I if I could pick the what what fight's gonna be the worst one, it's definitely gonna be this one. No slight to either of these ladies, but just both of their styles, it's just not gonna put together a very good fight. Um, and I don't see them landing that big strikes either. So I mean, if you wanted to take an underdog shot because you thought that hey Macy, you know this is like an even fight, maybe you know you're getting 185 on it do your thing but i just think that dumont's probably going to be landing the jab she, she she's much quicker more more variety on the feet and probably hits harder as well um and i don't really like macy's conditioning or her just overall um motor at any weight class um so you know i don't like her as a fighter so i'll pick dumont but like i said i won't watch any of it like i'll take a bathroom break for sure during this fight yeah, I mean, I maybe have a little more faith in Chaston than you do, just because, I mean, it's it's women's MMA. It's a fight that's going to be headed to the decision. Norma Dumont doesn't exactly put an emphatic stamp on rounds. I think Chaston at 2-1 to one is probably going to be the side. I don't have a clear idea of how she's going to win the fight or, or get the fight in the area um, that, that favors her. Obviously, I think the grappling and clinching approach is going to be what Chaston's going to go to. Um but, you know, really pathetic collapse against Raquel Pennington there. How, how fucking good is Rocky Pennington that she can go up a weight class and just decimate this Chiasin woman with, with very little sweat and then get right back down to 135 in her next fight? Um, she's a G. Um, but, uh, you know, not really too much, too many thoughts on this one. I mean, I guess Norma is the better striker. I guess Norma has the better cardio, but I don't know. I, I could see Macy making it close with her, with her grappling attempts and uh, just – not interested at all in Norma covering minus 200. So just going to be skewed towards the dog there. That's enough about that one. Uh, awesome fight next going on in the welterweight division. Francisco Trinaldo taking on Danny Roberts. Uh, pick him fight here, right? Minus 110 pick him last time I checked. Yep. I'm kind of bouncing around all week, but, uh, you know, I think this is an appropriate line to pick him. Uh, first off, huge fan of both of these guys. Trinaldo came through for us big in his last fight against Dwight Grant. Uh, I had a big bet on um, Roberts, too, as a big dog against Ameev. I think one of my biggest uh, biggest wins of all last year uh, on Roberts there. So um, big fan of both guys. But, I mean, my opinion of Trinaldo is he, he's squeaking by wins over D uh, Dwight Grant and over Jai Herbert guys that he would have you know beaten decisively years ago and i just think that he's getting to the point now where i don't think that you can be um betting on him in this matchup against roberts because uh to me roberts poses a, a decent threat everywhere i think that he's going to be active on the feet he's going to be pumping out volume he's a southball big southball boxer and uh Remember that Trinaldo did get dropped with that that straight left hand from uh, Jai Herbert. Had some trouble with the southpaw there. I think, is Dwight Grant a southpaw too? I feel like he maybe had some trouble with him on the nah. feet. Orthodox. Uh, but um, just the Dwight Grant round one and two were both like competitive, low output rounds. I thought Trinaldo won them both. And 
two judges thought he won them both, but one judge, Sal D'Amato, one of the worst in MMA, uh, thought that uh, Dwight Grant won the first two rounds. So it just shows that Trinaldo is making these rounds closer than they have to be. He's always been a counter-striker, low-volume type of striker, and that just isn't a style that works at 43 years of age. Um, and I think Roberts, uh, this is a big part of my uh, breakdown against Ameev, is actually a pretty solid defensive wrestler, grappler in general. He's hard to get, uh, get down and keep down. Uh, he knows how to stuff takedowns. He knows how to get off his back. And I just think that the big size of Roberts here is going to be tough for uh, Trinaldo to outgrapple. Um, don't forget, guys, that Trinaldo was a historically 155 fighter. And this is probably one of the biggest welterweights he's fighting. Uh, so I think Roberts is going to be the side here. There's way less intangibles to worry about with Roberts, with the age um, and everything of Trinaldo. So I think Roberts is going to be the side here. It, it hurts me to, to pick against Trinaldo. I'm not sure I'll be betting against Trinaldo, but I'm pretty sure Roberts is going to be the better uh, side to be betting on here at this pick and price. And he'll be my pick to win by decision, too. <laughs> Like the breakdown, I like both these guys. I was looking back, I've bet on both these guys in their last four fights. Um, so so I'm a fan of both. I'm pretty familiar with both of them as well. You know, I think that uh, this is a good matchup by the UFC overall, you know, for, you know, another welterweight for for Trinaldo to to fight. You know, he's looked good here at this 170-pound uh, weight class other than the 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 Salikov fight where he got clipped a little bit. You know, I think, you know, Trinaldo's kept, you know, kept trucking here. You know, he's he's maintained uh, form even at this uh, age of, he's going to be 44 this year. This guy's fucking old. Um, but, you know, I really did not expect him to have as many UFC fights as he's had, you know, coming off the first season of the Ultimate Fighter uh, Brazil. So kind of a crazy career, you know, he's carved out for himself. Definitely a legend uh, on the Brazilians, like unheralded, like, you know, very underrated, like, you know, maybe like the lowest level legend <laughs> that you could be. Um, but, you know, I think this is a difficult fight against Danny Roberts. A lot of the points that you that you uh, said, I think, hold true. You know, Roberts has been some in some of these tough fights. He has some brain farts at times, but overall, he's pretty skilled. Like you said, he, you know, at range, you know, he he's he's not bad. You know, he, he has a diverse attack. Uh, this is a southpaw versus southpaw matchup, as you said. You know, the only issue that, issues that you've seen from Roberts at times have been, you know, some of his durability issues, right, with maybe getting rocked with a few punches or getting stunned with, like, some big strikes. Um, and I definitely think these guys are potentially going to bang a bit. Um, but I do kind of, like, side a little bit more with the Roberts side. Um, I know I've been talking to some of my guys. We, we kind of like the under potentially, but I don't think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to end up doing that just because of what, you know, uh, Trinaldo's shown of late. Like, his durability, like, the recovery he showed against Salikov was just very impressive. And he he's never going to give up in a fight. You know that for a fact. And Roberts is the same kind of way. So I think it's going to be a very entertaining fight. Um, I think pick on price-ish is uh is correct but i i would kind of lean over to the robert side i i think I, i'm going to do another circle back here on uh, a few a few things that are coming to mind here uh, uh for me to potentially back roberts on a bet maybe maybe even a prop right like uh uh roberts by decision but i feel like uh the length of roberts on the feet the way that he could uh sprinkle in those kicks and then uh you know stay active even when the the takedown attempt that I, I'm pretty sure is coming from Trinaldo does come. I think Roberts will be able to defend a bit more and uh and land and be a little bit more active. So, you know, I'll pick Danny Roberts, but you know, I think appropriately line fight overall, um, it should be a fun one. Yeah, maybe look at those late uh knockout props for Roberts because uh we have seen um 
our boy Trinaldo slow a little bit. So I think the I think you'll get some maybe like plus fifteen hundred, plus two thousand uh, on those round two, round three knockout props. I'm trying to pull them up right now, but um, let's see. No, they don't even have them up on Fanduel yet. So uh, check see, those Roberts, out. Roberts, Roberts, uh, round three is us. Uh, 14 to one on yeah uh, i see that so, so knockout should be like 18 or 20 to one or something so yeah maybe look out for those late props um last prelim fight also in the welterweight division another good matchup here we got randy rude boy brown taking on chaos williams another pick em fight here uh brown was the dog earlier in the week but he's been bet a decent amount uh down to a pick em here so uh your turn to start this one off another pick em welterweight fight where are you Fair. going on this one very good fight, you know. I think I don't think anybody would have expected um, Chaos Williams to be four and one after his first five UFC fights, and I mean he's got a good argument too to have won that uh, Michelle Pereira fight. I I personally scored it for Pereira, but you know it was a close fight. Um, and you know this is definitely a step up in competition a bit, um, but it's also a fight where they're kind of giving him a similar guy ish to like Miguel Baeza in Brown. Obviously, Brown's you know much better than Baeza, I would say. Ray has a lot of tools, but this is like a, like a similar fight also that Randy Brown fought last time against Jared Gooden, where you got a guy in Chaos Williams is very durable, strong guy will will invest in the calf kicks you know looks to kind of just throw count uh look his offense on the feet is mostly like counter you know boxing and, and throwing power shots um but he doesn't really you know he doesn't really use the clinch that much he doesn't really you know have that much of a ground game um and he doesn't like you know overall do that much work like he's not like a work rate beast you know randy brown on the other hand right he he's good with his kicks his jujitsu game coming out here out of, out of here in, in new york is uh is definitely uh top notch um he, he's caught submissions right he's been in the ufc for a long time you know the 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 knock against him for the most part has been his durability you're right he's been susceptible to the calf kicks you know and all of these are issues that a guy like chaos williams definitely brings to the forefront um but randy brown is a very cerebral fighter he's a high iq fighter i would say as well um and he i think he knows how he has to approach this chaos williams fight so i think we're going to see a lot of front kicks from randy brown i think we're going to see him you know fainting a lot early on and and i think we're going to end up seeing you know i've been going back and forth a little bit on this fight i i, I do have a little bit of randy brown plus money and it's uh, gone to uh, a pick'em price here now, but I think we're gonna start seeing Randy Brown, you know, uh, uh, throw out some more volume after a little bit of time, uh, and and be just better with the shot selection. Um, and I think that uh, a guy like Miguel Baeza could have beat Chaos Williams pretty easily, easily if he would have selected his punches a lot better. And I think that's something that Randy does do actually pretty well. Um, and you know, Chaos Williams. I think he he's gonna end up uh, hitting a lot of air uh, against Randy because people you know they'll knock Randy Brown's chin, but what they don't see is you know this guy moves well with the punches overall though you know he'll he'll hide behind his shoulders he'll cut an an angle off a off a punch right he sometimes leaves a leg behind right that's why he gets calf kicked but you know he's actually pretty good at avoiding these strikes and you know if like I said uh before if you're not like a guy like Chris Chris Gutierrez or like a, a crazy crazy calf kicker like I'm not gonna be that concerned with it and he showed Randy showed in this last fight where he fucked up one of his feet and you know jared gooden was calf kicking him as well that you know he's gonna overall be be fine you know what i mean like you know i'm not, I'm not gonna make that like my you know ultimate concern with him here my more concerned is you know chaos williams landing the hands and truth be told even though some of my you know some of my guys that i work with a lot you know do like the chaos williams side i just 
you know, uh, gravitate towards the better mixed martial artist, the guy who who's shown me the better shot selection, ability to win these uh, decisions as well, uh, has knockout power, has a submission game, and even has a takedown game if he needs to go to it um, with, like, all the leverage that he could uh, put together in the clinch and, you know, on some of these takedowns, right? This guy has a clinch striking game as well. So, you know, I like backing guys like Randy Brown. You know, I think that uh, he knows that this is like a get-me-over fight. He he wins this one. He should probably be right on the cusp of getting a top 15 uh, fight in the UFC, right? This guy's a fun fun guy to watch, and I think this will be a fun fun fight as well. Um, so I'll lean and pick Randy Brown. A uh, little plus money right now here with him here, um, and I hope to maybe add on to a little bit more uh, if it goes that way again. Yeah, I'm in pretty much agreement with everything there. I know some people like when we disagree, when we go head-to-head on picks, but you know we're just seeing the fights uh, pretty similarly this week. And uh, I like Randy as well. Is Randy from Queens, Ozzy? Does he have any he, Queens? He, 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 he is. He's like on that Queens, Brooklyn, you know, board. I think he 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 goes back and forth, but he is originally from Queens. He yeah, he fights out of Queens. That's pretty big. And um, yeah, I mean. I, I just see him as the much more skilled overall fighter. I think skill-wise, Randy Brown is the much better fighter. I think most people who even like Chaos would say that. It's just on the Chaos side, you have uh, the better um, power, the better one-punch power, and probably the better durability as well. We haven't seen uh, Williams hurt with a lot of the shots, but but Randy Brown's been in the UFC for a long time. I mean, if Chaos had the same amount of experience and fought the same fighters as Randy Brown, we might see Chaos hurt uh, more than we have as well. So... I just think Good that point. chaos. I think chaos is just, you know, one two leg kick. I really don't think the guy has much besides that. I mean, you saw in the Semmelsberger fight, Semmelsberger threw up a high guard and was just blocking, you know, most of chaos's punches in that fight. It was countering him really nicely, and it's just one simple high guard was blocking, um, you know, seventy five percent of chaos's offense. So I think that uh, Brown's last fight against Gooden impressed me. Similar analog, like Ozzy was saying, uh, you know, a guy who is known for you know his knockout power. Yeah, a good athlete, and I think that Brown handled that fight pretty well. You know, had some adversity with his foot, still won 30-27, still landed over 100 strikes over three rounds, and um, Brown isn't really known for going to that grappling game, but uh, we did see Williams get taken down by Michelle Pereira. We have seen Williams taken down on the regional scene, and I do think Brown has that, that grappling game in his back pocket to go to here, but I think, honestly, the striking should go well for him. I just see him as the more diverse striker. He's got those good knees and elbows that he I think he might have uh, finished a few guys with knees in his recent run, too. So, um, and Brown's got power, too. I m- remember that big punch he landed on Alex Oliveira, and then he Hell subbed yeah. him, too. So, this dude, this dude's a good finisher. He, he knows how to seize an opportunity when it comes. And uh, I'm also on Randy Brown at plus 112 here. Um, you know, CLV up the wazoo, and I'm feeling pretty good about Rude Boy. That's the thing with Chaos, too. He's a little bit wide with these uh, punches as well. And a guy like Randy Brown is a classically trained boxer. He's going to be direct to that target, and I think he's going to capitalize on his opportunities here. But like like we said, this is a volatile fight. You know, both guys do stuff that, uh, you know, could trouble the other guy. But, you know, I, I feel good about Randy's uh, Randy's uh, approach here to this fight. So it should be, should be a good one, though. Should be, definitely be a good one. 
I agree, and that'll be the last prelim. We got a five-fight main card here. Um, you know, two kind of old man fights to kick off the card. Then, you know, a really good fight, two really good title fights. So I think it's a pretty good pay-per-view, uh, especially this first fight. Even though it's an old man fight, it's going to be an exciting one. Uh, and that's in the lightweight division. We've got two legends going on. Joe Lozon taking on Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone is the favorite here. Um, best fight odds has these odds all tweaked out. I think he's, yeah, minus 165 for Cerrone, plus 145 for Lozon. And, you know, I think that you got to be crazy to be betting on Donald Cerrone as a favorite in 2022. I mean, winless in his past six fights. This is, you know, an easier matchup for him. But the guy is also dropping back down to 155, guys. Don't forget this. He hasn't fought at 155 since the Justin Gaethje fight uh, in September of 2019. So two and a half years ago since he made this weight. And he's been getting knocked out at 170. Uh, Alex Morono, not a hard puncher at all, was able to knock out um, uh, Cerrone there. It just seems like Cerrone's ability to take a shot has largely gone away. Um, the Nico Price fight was maybe a, a decent performance from him there, but I mean, just cutting this extra 15 pounds, like if your chin is already bad at 170, you're cutting an extra 15 pounds. Uh, I mean, he's also had a, a year-long layoff as well. So, um, I mean, there's, there's just nothing appealing about the Cerrone side. If anything, Cerrone looked live at him, guys. Joe Lozon is an infamous fast starter. Um, he always comes out like a bat out of hell in round one. That's been his style for 15 years straight. And he's probably going to, you know, have a good chance to, to hurt and finish Cerrone early on here. But obviously if he doesn't, uh, Lozon, his cardio has failed him lately in his later years in his career. You got to think the longer the fight goes, the more it favors Cerrone kind of taking over, but still early on round one, Joe Lozon is the side here. He's the dangerous one. He, uh, came out strong against Jonathan St. Pierce. Wait, is that his name? No, JSP, JSP. whatever. Um, is what does the S stand for? I don't know. Um, no, it's just it's just uh, JSP because he always taking dudes down. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I literally added the St. Pierce in there. Well, whatever. Um, that that win has aged immaculately, right? I mean, I know it was just a quick little little fight there, but Lozon came out, landed some hands, took him down, pounded him out, and there's a great chance that he could do the same thing against Cerrone here. All Lozon needs to do is come out, catch the chin of Cerrone early with some punches, and he's got a great chance at translating that into a finish. So I like Lozon here at plus money uh, for like a, a small to medium bet. You know, don't go crazy. Um, it, it, this is still an old man type of fight but Lozon round one plus 800 Lozon knockout round one plus 1400 these lines are crazy against Stalin Cerrone a first round knockout at plus 1400 I mean you got to take these lines and uh, I'll definitely be cheering for Jay Lau Joe Lozon here I mean listen like you said Donald Cerrone shot to bits like if you watch that um that uh, Alex Morono fight, I mean, he looked in like crazy shot. Now, I will say a little bit of intel that I'm sure a lot of listeners won't know is I heard from the horse's mouth, Craig Jones, who said that like the week of the fight, right? This is like the week um, they were taping that Ultimate Fighter Ortega versus Volkanovski. Apparently, Donald Cerrone shows up, right? You saw him. He's on one of the episodes uh, and he wants to like roll like hard with uh with craig jones 
and it's the fight week against Morono. And apparently he like fucks up his rib a little bit. I don't know what the specific injury was, but Craig Jones said that he fucked up his rib. And Craig Jones is like, you know, the joke is like, fuck Craig Jones. Like he's an asshole. Fuck Craig Jones. So <laughs> he pulls his rib and everybody's like, he, Craig Jones is like, oh, fuck. Like, God damn it. Like, of course, this happens to me. Um, and you know, then Donald Cerrone moves on and, you know, fights uh, Morono. I don't know how much that contributed to him being looking so shot. But the guy looked, like, so bad in that fight. And I'll tell you, actually, Alex Morono and Joe Lozon, eh, kind of similar type of guys. Like They look exactly alike. They look too. exactly alike. You know, they're kind of known for, like, not always looking for the – like, they'll bang with you, but, you know, they, they're very good grapplers as well, or so they say about Alex Morono. I don't know. Um, And they're known to, like, you know, be fast starters, right? Like, slow down a little bit. But, I mean, Joe Lozon – I kind of do want to see him on a scale because honestly, in that JSP fight, like you mentioned, he looked good. Like he looked in shape, looked quick. And what I love about Joe Lozon, and he's just like such a cerebral and smart fighter. Like, I mean, he's looking in, the, he's in there to do business. Like the, the shots that he throws against JSP, they're fight enders. Like he's looking to to be direct. Like every, every punch, every strike, every takedown attempt, clinch, whatever it is, has intent. And that's why the guy gets tired because he doesn't throw in the fucking filler, you know, strikes and the filler stuff, you know, and the stuff that will score points. No. Every punch that he threw at JSP there was to knock that motherfucker out. And the same thing's going to happen uh, here against Donald Cerrone. He's going to ruin Donald Cerrone until he's finished. And that goes both ways, either until Donald Cerrone's finished or until Joe Lozon's finished. So, you know, if people are jumping on the under, definitely understand that. Um, I think you have to, you mentioned, I think the uh, Joe Lozon KO line, you know, Donald Cerrone's only been uh, submitted one time in his career. Um, which is definitely a testament to him and his underrated ground game. So I do think that uh, you you definitely would need to have a piece of that Lozon uh, KO line uh, if you're backing him. Um, and you know I I, may, I maybe missed a little bit of the price on on Lozon here, but I mean I still have to back him here just because like you said like Donald Cerrone his durability is just awful. It's just he cannot take these punches anymore. He's slow on the trigger. Um, you know he he gets backed up a lot as well, and he doesn't pressure anymore. You know he's not he he wasn't coming forward at all against Morono. Um, and I think that is going to be easy for Joe Lozon to take up real estate, fight the fight on his terms, right? On his script, right? Like I like to say a lot of times, uh, and be able to put a fucking hurt in on Donald Cerrone uh, and, and, and retire him. Uh, you know, Joe Lozon's from the Northeast over here. He doesn't want to go out on an L, you know, to a guy like Donald Cerrone. I think this is this is a good fight for both of them because Donald does have paths to victory here. You know, in, in, in the kicks specifically and, and stuff like that. But if Lozon comes with any semblance of cardio at all, I think he's going to ruin Donald Cerrone. Because I think that, you know, he's going to be able to, to wrestle him down potentially. And, you know, I just think that Donald is just, he's just not with it. He's not all there anymore. Both, you know, in the headspace, shot selection, speed, durability, chin, any of that stuff. You know, I wouldn't be carried away with a, with a money line play on Joe. You know, I think maybe I'll have that for a little bit um, and then try to sprinkle a little bit of his, uh, you know, inside the distance props because I do think he'll, he'll eventually get to Donald if he does, uh, you know, win this fight. Um, and, yeah, those are my thoughts here. And, you know, I think that uh, Joe Lozon gets a finish over uh, over Cowboy. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Cowboy somehow dug this fight out and maybe that rib injury was, you know, a big reason. But no way that could you lay, you know, $1.65 on, uh, on Cowboy.
plus 275 for Lozon inside the distance. And Lozon could have sailed off in the sunset. He had a win over home in Boston, uh, a good win. It was aging well, and he obviously felt good enough to, to come back and test himself one more time. So he's a smart guy. I think, you know, he probably has, he has his own gym, a, a successful gym. He probably doesn't need the money. He probably feels good, and he wants to get back in there and win fights. So I feel good about that. Next fight, let's let's try not to spend too much time on this shit because we got OSP versus Shogun Hua. This is insane that they're putting this fight together. OSP minus 235, Shogun plus 200. I mean, when they fought eight years ago, Ozzy, it seemed like Shogun was shot to bits then. And here they are eight years later doing a rematch. I, I have no idea, but what are you thinking about this shit? Yeah, I mean, I can't believe that, um, you know, that there's another Shogun fight. I thought... When I got robbed of that win with Little Nog, no it was like plus 200. Ugh. Yeah, I thought when I got robbed, that was the last time I would ever have to see a Shogun fight. Um, that was a crazy robbery. Like that, People need to watch that when they think of robbery. That was a robbery. But, um, I mean, I don't really know too much about this fight, like you said. I mean, I, I think that OSP, maybe at this 205 weight class, like he still is going to be bringing power down. I just can't think that um, Shogun's really going to be getting any finish over people i mean you see this with the prices four to one you know i think a shogun finish would have to be relied upon uh osp just slowing down a lot so i think osp but isn't a finish shogun at the end of the day you know i think i i might just do a little for fun like osp by submission right just because <laughs> he is always live and i feel like the physicality of shogun like it's very depleting very quickly like you know paul craig had him you know face down as up or, or, or just flat, like a flat and like a pancake, I should say, there uh, when, once he got on top of him. And I think uh, OSP could probably force the, the Von Prue choke. Um, so, yeah, I think OSP is probably going to finish Shogun. It's going to be sad. Under two and a half is not that – it's like the same as like the main event, which I think is kind of interesting. But maybe you just take OSP ITD and, you know, move on with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be sad if he does put out Shogun really badly, so – I hope he does it by submission and does it quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think OSP has to be favored in every area. If he comes out wrestling hard like he did against uh, Ola Chechuk, he should get Shogun down. Uh, Craig took down Shogun pretty easily. It seems like uh, Shogun's ability to stuff takedowns is, is gone. But once he's on bottom, he is still capable of, you know, being hard to submit, maybe pulling off a sweep, maybe ending up on top. So Shogun's grappling, I think, is probably the part that has regressed the least. Um his striking is clearly the worst. His reactions, his timing is just really bad. Um, so OSP can probably outstrike him easily here if he wanted or go for that submission. But I, I don't know. I'll pose this question to you, Ozzy. Uh, do you think that OSP will come out grappling or do you think his game plan is going to be to strike? I think, you know, he's going to be looking to fire off that left kick. And then if he if that's not working, I, I do see him pushing into the clinch uh, and just like, just because this dude's like a former football player. Like, I feel like he, he he feels if he locks his hands around Shogun, he could drag him down to the ground and, you know, start elbowing him. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think they're going to fall down to the ground at some point. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, just with the size and everything, um, the size... Uh... I got a Discord notification. I thought Craig left us for a second, but um, uh, the size is going to be hard for him to overcome, and I think OSP should win however he wants, but I'm leaning a bit towards the knockout at plus 250 instead of sub, just because, like I said, that Shogun's, you know, jujitsu seems to be the, the, the most competent part of his game still, and I think he could be hard to submit, and OSP could fold him with just one punch in the feet. He could pound him out on the ground like uh, Craig did, so... 
I'm leaning towards OSP knockout. Um, and then that's going to take us to the next fight. We got Michael Chandler taking on Tony Ferguson. Michael Chandler as the minus 400 favorite. Tony Ferguson a plus 300. Um, so honestly, might be surprised to some, but I don't have much to say about this fight because I just think Chandler is going to annihilate him. I think that uh, the striking and the grappling, either either way that Chandler wants to win, he can. I say that Tony's only way to win is by submission. So Chandler, um, you know, grappling, maybe look to offensive wrestle, um, you know, might be the, the, the more dangerous path just because uh, Tony might be able to still tangle him up in some sort of submission. But Tony Ferguson's takedown defense is, it has, has been terrible. His ability to escape bottom, terrible. His defensive reactions and his boxing defense, terrible. I mean, people are clinging on to the fact that he he wasn't finished versus Justin Gaethje. Oh, he ate 100 shots. He still has good durability. But guys, the, the way he was eating those punches and reacting, that's not somebody with good durability. I mean, his body was shutting down on him as those punches were landing. And sure, he, he kept standing, but he... I mean, his body was was failing him as he was eating those shots. And eventually the referee showed some mercy and stopped the fight. But that, I mean, that was a life changing beating. He's had the knee surgery. He's got dominated for 11 rounds in a row, guys. Don't forget that. He landed one punch against Justin Gaethje in round two, but he still lost that round. So he lost all five rounds against Gaethje. He lost all three rounds against Oliveira, all three against uh, Daryush. And these are like 10-8 rounds, too. That he's being just bell-to-bell dominated. And I mean, the guy's confidence, his physicality, they're gone. Um, the, the Tony Ferguson on the 11 fight win streak, that guy is gone. Um, so even though Chandler is, you know, having some wars lately too, he's been hurt lately. I still think he's got a lot left in the tank. He's much faster. He's the better boxer. He's the better wrestler. I mean, I just don't see any way outside of some crazy fluke submission that Chandler is going to lose this fight. So I think Chandler is going to knock him out and I think it'll be in the second round here. Yeah, I think these, I think people, I don't know where, like, I understand looking for plus 300, you know, uh, guys to, to bet overall. But, I mean, everything that Chandler does is bad for Tony Ferguson. Like, like some of the argument, like, I've heard no arguments of uh, for Tony Ferguson. Only I hear is that Chandler sucks. He gets tired after one round. You know, he's a different guy, yada, 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 all this stuff. Yeah, you know when he's a different guy? After he's put down a beating on the other dude, right? After he's been fucking up Charles Oliveira for like four minutes of the five-minute fight. After he's been beating, you know, beat, uh, going to war with uh, Justin Gaethje and landing bombs on him, throwing flying knees, going crazy, you know, in a packed Madison Square Arena. And these two guys are fighting for the title. You know, I, like Tony, it, his optimal, you know, way to fight is he's like hitting you with pitter-patter shots, coming forward. But this guy's just way too stiff, man. Like he doesn't move. He can't move his head. He's not. There's no way he's learning now. You know, to be able to to move his head and you know duck punches and slip punches and you know the way that he's moving just way too awkward when he's like trying to come forward. If you're looking at those Dariush or those Oliveira fights, and he just doesn't have that same hunger or like that same you know natural affinity to bring out the chaos overall. You know, if you're looking back, like he he fought um you know Pettis after he got that his knee torn apart. 
he got dropped in that fight. Pettis slowed way, way down. You saw Pettis like later on, like get schooled by Diego Ferreira, by you know uh, uh, Clay Collard. Like you know he didn't does didn't have the power. But you know if he's coming forward like that against Chandler, Chandler's gonna be dropping bombs on him easily. He should be able to tackle him whenever he wants. If he wants to hold him up against the cage and get double legs like Charles Oliveira did, he should be able to do that easily. And I'll tell you what, you know I think if he gets on top of Tony and is dropping these this ground a pound. I wouldn't be surprised to seeing like an arm triangle or, you know, from, from, uh, Michael Chandler. I think that was a, something that I bet when he fought, um, uh, Dan Hooker, I thought that he might be able to wrap that fat ass bicep around his neck. But, you know, I think that's live here as well, because Tony, he's just weak. Like he's been losing muscle mass. Like, I don't know what it is. If he's, if it's like the neurons in his brain that are leaving him. But I mean, I think it's something easy to hit him. I think, uh, Chandler could throw leg kicks at, at him as well. I just don't see where Tony's winning this fight, putting out effective offense, you know, and catching Chandler, um, you know, as he comes in. I'd love to see it. I'm telling you, I'd love to eat crow for Tony to, you know, turn back the clock, you know, pace Michael Chandler, hit him with all these shots, you know, sure the shoulder durability, maybe catch him with a submission, but I just don't see it happening. And, you know, Chandler's going to be able to line him up for that big right hand too easily. Um, and I could see very easily a repeat of that Patricky Pitbull knockout where Chandler is fainting, fainting, you know, he's throwing the jab to the body and then he just comes with the fastball and knocks the guy's head off. That's easily in play right here as well. So, um, I think Chandler's gonna finish him, you know, but uh but but I mean I could I was leaning towards this over, you know, is that minus one forty, minus one sixty. I'm not that inclined to bet it um anymore or add on to it. But uh but yeah, I think Chandler takes care of business here and gets uh gets back on the winning ways. Any interest in Chandler knockout plus one fifteen? No, none, zero. Yeah, I don't think it's good enough of a price, even though I do see it happening. A Chandler round two, though, at plus 500, knockout round two, plus 650. I think that's that's the way to go. Um, enough about that one, though. Time for the Women's Strawway Championship fight. We got the Cookie Monster, Carl Esparza, finally getting her rematch. Doug Rose, Nama Yunus. We got Rose minus 198, Carla plus 173. Of course, this is the rematch from... What was it? Eight years ago, too, the same uh, as the OSP yes. Shogun fight. Eight, eight years, twenty fourteen. I, I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So obviously, Carla submitted her round three of that fight. A lot has happened since then. Your turn to start this one off. What are you thinking about the women's title fight? Very intriguing fight. I mean, you know, I was in attendance for uh, Rose versus uh, Zhang too, and you know, I think I was feeling, hey, this is a close fight, and I had a bit, I had a big bet on on rose because i was having a good night and you know i, I definitely uh, you know like tripled the action i think and i was definitely sweating a little bit there and i think uh that that paid true when i watched it rewatched it as well um but you know uh, rose is good at winning like these close fights and you know making the adjustments and all that stuff but i mean she i don't think she looked that great in that fight i mean Zhang land uh ended up in mount like you know one time or maybe tw i don't know she ended up on top like two times i think and you know in mount definitely on, on one of those times and i mean carla got like folded in i mean or, or rose got like folded in half like on a few of these takedown attempts like where you know uh zhang like had her hand on her head on one side and like her hand on the leg on the other side and just like bent her bent her over um and rose i mean uh carla is just so adept and if you guys are watching like you could pick this up 
cutting like once she is in on the legs like the corners that she cuts and how she just disappears and you know turns turns the corner you know gets girls down holds them down you know and they're they just look bewildered just like uh rose did in her first fight you know these girls have not figured it out yet you know carla's been doing this for a long long time and uh girls have not been catching up to her you're right the only girl that uh you know really was able to uh stifle her was uh tatiana suarez who herself very credential wrestler you know massive for the division right she can't make 115 anymore so that was a a, a terrible fight for carla and and she had a banger of a fight with uh with with uh claudia but other than and you know that I don't remember the random fight. I'm not even gonna mention that. But other than that, you know, she she's she's so, so like very tough. She she knows how to win these split decisions as well. She's got a high work rate and 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 has been and showed you know improvement when uh when she got on top in her last fight. And I think on the feet, like yeah, Rose is you know she's dangerous, but she's never shown that she is like a pressure uh fighter on the on on the feet. Like she's more of like looking to set up like single strikes like good on the counters you know she's good at uh, uh finishing you know her combinations well and go and finishing combinations uh like as as you're uh finishing yours right she'll she'll throw a counter and uh and and that was great against uh what's her name uh joanna right got her the win in that second fight that was very close but i mean i think the grappling here is just like it's going to be in Carla's favor. And yeah, you know, Rose is a good submission artist and a good submission uh, grappler. But I think she's going to have to be on top here to to win this fight. And it could happen in the transitions. You know, Carla does, you know, start, you know, sniffing ankles and shoelaces and, you know, diving onto to, to the legs a little bit too much. You know, if she does start getting tired. But she also tackles bitches and runs them over, right? Ask Marina Rodriguez. You know, I was uh, watching that fight and... You know, if you're watching that fight live, there was a few times that you thought the momentum was shifting and, all oh, right, like going into the third round, like you're kind of feeling good about Marina. You're like, all right, you know, Carla's going to slow down. She can't. And no, she kept running her right over, you know, multiple occasions. And Marina's, you know, I think a good, not a great analog, but, you know, she's a good striker. She's decently athletic. She's bigger than Rose, I would probably say. Um, and, and Carla had no issue there. Now, this is a five-round fight. You know, I, I think my uh, play that I like here, I like the under um, because and it's been hit uh, uh, quite a bit. Right. Um, or on bet online, but you can find it. Good prices at plus 160. I like the under just because I do think that um, Carla could potentially finish Rose here if she is like pacing her and putting damage on her. Right. The submission is at plus 180 or plus 1800. Um, I, so I do give Carla some finishing equity. You get the, the potential of the Rose finish as well with maybe Carla just like slowing down overall. Like, you know, uh, Rose inside distance is plus 200 on its own right. So you could get the under four and a half at plus 160 to mix in, you know, Carla just, you know, putting out that dominant, you know, grappling game plan on her. And I mean, the money line here as well, like you could get plus 175, plus 180 on the girl with the better grappling, uh, competent, you know, boxing, you know, uh, uh, Rose definitely has the better uh, kick game. But I just feel the adjustments that um, Carla can make and the reads that she can make um, after putting making Rose uncomfortable um, are really, really good for her and advantageous and i got a background on money line i mean you're gonna hear this in a lot of places as well but this girl's just super tough and i like backing these girls that are wrestlers and the dominant grapplers in these women's divisions right same thing that uh, i felt with the mackenzie dern fight and I feel like Rose is just getting too much respect here, um, you know, uh, after some wins over Weili Zhang, where, I mean, Zhang just, 
she's just propelled into that spot because she's like a physical freak and Chinese. So show me, Rose, I need Rose to show me if she could fight off a grappler here. You know, Dana White was keep trying to keep uh, Carla away from Rose. I'll tell you that right now. And, you know, show me that you could you could beat, you know, the best grappler in the division and, uh, and I'll give Rose the respect that she deserves. But she's been fighting the same girls over and over again. And I think that uh, she's going to get slammed a few times just like Jessica Andrade did uh, in that uh, first fight with them. Yeah, so I'll also be on on the Carla train here. I mean, we've been riding this train for a while now, and there's no chance we're getting off right now. Um, I mean, I, I just don't get this line after watching Rose's early fight against Zhang and watching Zhang take her down and have a lot of success with wrestling. And and the the crazy thing is Zhang had some takedowns in the UFC prior to that fight, but a lot of them came from the clinch. She'd get the body lock, she'd get a trip. She came out shooting. Uh, you know, double legs, single legs in that fight. She caught a kick of Rose. Obviously, the, the training with Henry Cejudo paid off in that fight. And, you know, Zhang was able to get her down relatively easily. She wasn't able to keep her down for long stretches of time. But we did see some of the same tendencies that Rose did in the first Carla fight, where she goes to full guard and kind of just lays there in guard for the entire time. I mean, if you guys haven't rewatched that Zhang fight, I really recommend you would. Because, I mean, Zhang had her mounted at the end of round three. I mean, she had her back taken at the end of round three. I mean, she had really good positions on Rose there. And I don't even think that Zhang's A game. She's not a primarily a grappler. And she was having a lot of success with something that's her B game. So, imagine what Carla Esparza is going to do. Who is, like Ozzy was saying, the best wrestler in this division, probably the, one of the best uh, wrestlers in the history or probably the best overall grappler in the history of women's MMA. I mean, seriously, right up there with, with, with Dern and with, with Rousey. And I mean, with Shevchenko, I mean, I think Carla might be better than all those women because her wrestling is just so reliable. Um, she's not known for putting a hurting on women on top all the time. Um, but she, and her last fight against Yan Shannon, she showed that she's extremely comfortable throwing ground and pound, smashing Yan from top there and uh you know coming off just a career best performance for carla there so i don't think that carla has showed many signs of slowing down um she's been in some round threes lately where she's um gutted out some some round three wins uh like marina like you were saying um she hasn't been five rounds so that is a bit concerning for carla she hasn't been five rounds in a really long time and rose has been in round five a few times so you got to think that rose definitely has the advantage in terms of, of cardio and four or five experience around uh, five round experience and just big fight experience too i mean rose has been in a lot of big spots lately and she has come through in a lot of them so i mean i, I give credit to rose we definitely don't dislike rose you know ozzy and i both better in her last fight uh both better in her last two fights i'm sure um but i think the market is just way off on this fight i mean minus 200 for rose when there's really no proof at all that she's going to be able to stuff these takedowns it is crazy to me so uh, i'm a bit concerned about rounds four and five here I, I really am i could see carla slowing down in four and five but the thing is zhang slowed really bad in those rounds too Rose was on top, you know, could have really capitalized on those, but she didn't exactly have the energy to chase a finish. So even if Carla loses round four and five, I think there's a really good chance that Carla goes up three zero in these first three rounds. So, um, 
And I just trust Carla to win three rounds. I mean, it might be rounds one, two, and then she might take round three off. It might look like the tide is changing. And then round four, Carla will come out and get one more takedown, win round four, and win a 48-47. And that really is my prediction here. I think that Carla will win a competitive and close decision. I think that these rounds will be fairly clear. I think they're going to be, you know, I don't think they'll be necessarily back and forth rounds. I think they will be fairly clear on who won them. And I just trust the wrestling, the cardio, uh, the top game of Carlos Esparza uh, to get the job done. And I'm not sure I agree with the, the undertake here. Uh, I see the angle. I do. I think on the feet, uh, I mean, I haven't even really mentioned this, but Ro- obviously Rose is the better striker on the feet, right? The, the striking is going to heavily, heavily favor Rose here. Uh, but her striking style, I mean, um, this is the last thing I'll say before we move on, but it, it's like she has two styles. When she came out hard against Andrade, remember the first Andrade fight, she came out hard, throwing a lot of punches. She got in Andrade's face and she boxed her up. I think that will have success here if she comes out aggressive and boxes Carla. Um, but obviously, she's going to leave herself open for the takedown if that happens. But if, Car- if Rose goes back to that patient striking style where she's sitting on the outside, picking her shots like she did against Zhang, I think that could also open up the takedown uh, possibility for Carla. So I, I just feel that even though Rose is going to have a lot of success on the feet here, she's always going to have to face that takedown threat. I don't trust her takedown defense. I don't trust her get-up game. And I think that Carla is going to you know out-wrestle her to a decision here. So I like Carla. I'm sticking with Moneyline for Carla. Um, probably going to be like one and a half unit, maybe two unit play for me on Carla. And I really hope the Cookie Monster comes through. You got any uh, closing thoughts before we go to the main event? No, just uh, I really hope Carla wins. I mean, I think that a Rose a Rose win is like, you know, her landing just big, big shots and Carla panic shooting and then, you know, a finish coming after that. So. Yeah, I, I do think the Rose round four, round five props are, are pretty good. Rose round four, uh, 1500, round five, 2400. Um, so maybe look at those. Uh, but time for the main event. Uh, lightweight fight, uh, one of the best fights possible to put together in MMA right now. You got the two best lightweights in the world, champion Charles Oliveira, challenger Justin Gaethje, Oliveira minus 175, Gaethje plus 150. Man, what a privilege of a fight to, to be able to watch this. I mean, just, you know, terrific matchmaking and just, you know, extremely grateful to watch these two excellent fighters uh, go against one another. Um, but, you know, I like Justin, the highlight Gaethje here. I really do. Uh, I think that the... If you look at Oliveira's recent wins, I mean, the guy had to go through hell in round one before coming out on top in two and three. Uh, I mean, Chandler dropped him. Poirier dropped him. Poirier landed a lot of shots. And really rewatching the Poirier fight solidified my opinion that Chandler is going to be my pick. And I think that he will win um, because, you know, Oliveira doesn't wrestle right away. He likes to oblige in the striking. He likes to trade strikes a little bit, and then he looks for the takedown. But he did that versus uh, Poirier early, and then once he felt the punching power of Poirier, he decided to shoot that takedown, and it was a kind of an, a bad shot. Poirier stuffed the takedown, and he got right back to outboxing him. I mean, he sat uh, Oliveira down in round one there. And I think that Gaethje hits harder than Chandler. And I think he hits harder than Poirier too. So, I mean, I think that the, the chances that Gaethje lands a big, big punch here early on are, are really high. And we're going to see Oliveira do that same thing where he sits down, he pulls guard, he's hurt and he kind of just lays on his back. Um, but, um, Another defining moment is that Poirier round two, uh, Poirier um, 
or Oliver gets a kind of a brief back take on Poirier and uh, Oliver actually falls off and he's on bottom and Dustin Poirier like a moron follows him down to the ground tries to land some ground and pound he gets tangled up he ends on bottom and the whole fight changes right there I mean if Poirier just backed away from that exchange and let the fight get back to the feet I mean who knows what could have happened and I think that uh, Gaethje is going to be well trained enough to be able to avoid that so he's going to hurt Oliveira and instead of following up with ground and pound he's going to tell him to get right back up to his feet and he's going to go right back to you know kicking that calf to boxing him up and I just think the boxing advantage for Justin Gaethje here is really high Um, so obviously it comes down to takedown defense does uh, Gaethje have the ability to avoid the grappling threat of Oliveira and I think that people uh, you know saw Khabib get the takedown saw Khabib get the back takes and they're thinking oh Oliveira is going to do the same thing but Khabib is a much better wrestler than Oliveira a much much better wrestler and um, I mean, I just think that the, his takedown defense, Gaethje's takedown defense, is a lot better than people gave it credit for. You saw him show a little bit of that versus Michael Chandler. He's a lot better of a wrestler than people gave him credit for. And I think he's going to have success stuffing these takedowns, landing hard punches, kicking the calf. And, um, you know, obviously if Oliveira gets on the back, there's a really good chance the fight is over. There's a great chance that he really could chokes him. But I just think that Oliveira is going to have to go through absolute hell to get to that back. He's going to have to eat calf kicks and punches, and he's going to have to set up his takedown really well, and he's going to have to time it. And I don't know. I think that the side is definitely going to be Gaethje here. I think Gaethje has a great chance at scoring that knockout early round one, round two. I don't think I'm going to be endorsing the, the Gaethje early knockout props, even though that's how I think it happens. Um, I just think the Gaethje money line is good enough here. Don't really overcomplicate it. Take the money line. And I even think if this fight goes later, if it gets into the third, the fourth, the fifth round, I don't think that necessarily favors Oliveira. I mean, Gaethje has been later in the fight. uh, He's been five rounds. I don't think Oliveira has ever been the full five rounds. So I don't think the later the fight goes, it automatically favors uh, Oliveira. So I like the highlight here. I like my knockout in round two. This is a sweet fight. I mean, fantastic fight overall um, in Justin Gaethje's hometown uh, or, yeah, I guess, adopted hometown. I don't know what it is. But, I mean, this is going to be a scrap overall. You know, obviously, you know, uh, Oliveira's all gas. You know, no breaks. You know, he 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 absolutely broke Dustin Poirier in their, in their last fight. I mean, you know, Three minutes in, Dustin Poirier is looking up at the at the clock. He he eats like a few knees and a few uh, front front tapes to the body, and he wanted out of that fight. You know, in the second round, like the the fact that this guy does this cartwheel and you know lays on his back for four minutes, and then you know in, in the beginning of the of the third round, like the 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 little uh you know strike to little body clinch shuck by to the back, and you know Poirier doesn't do anything to defend his back, doesn't do anything to defend the hooks or to fight off the choke. You know he had just given up. Absolutely Absolutely pitiful performance by him, you know, and I'm glad that I back Oliveira. I just wish I had done it a little bit bigger on the submission line. Um, but getting into this fight, I mean, I feel that the tools that you saw him use in that fight, you know, are not going to be there for him uh, as much between the uh, front kick, the right front kick to the body because of the uh, difference in the stance. And then the clinch game, which I feel that Justin Gaethje is just a much better clinch fighter and overall just wrestler, grappler, like any any point, anything about grappling that Dustin Poirier, right? The ability for Justin to launch uppercuts into Charles Oliveira, be able to to, to shuck off, shuck him off as well, right? You saw Donald Cerrone, how he was 
busting them up with uppercuts as soon as they made contact there. Um, you know, maybe ripping body shots as well, you know, when, once they are in close. Um, and yeah, I just, I mean, I, I like Justin Gaethje here. I mean, I think this guy is the goods. I mean, I've always thought that, that he was an insane fighter. Obviously, the grappling is the, the biggest uh, issue here that you could potentially have with him. And, you know, Chuck Oliveira has been improving his boxing, right? He he did land that fantastic counter on Michael Chandler, popped him right on the jaw uh, off that counter. Um, off that counter, I think uh, Chandler was just start trying to throw a right hand or something like that. So, you know, Gaethje needs to be smart. But, I mean, when, when he is a little bit collected, he does know how to roll. Uh, off of punches, how to be able to, to to create his angles, how to be able to be in space and then take it away. Um, and I think that he's like way more direct to his target. You know, Oliveira, I think, is going to have to bum rush him at some point. And I do think that there will be at least one very, very sweaty moment. Where Oliveira is like in on his legs, or you know he gets him, he take he takes him down, or he has like a similar position like you mentioned in the second round against Poirier, where he's like hanging on his back and like holding on to him or whatever it is. But I mean, like Gaethje, like this guy's an insane athlete. Like you saw that cartwheel that uh, somersault that uh, Poirier does. If Justin Gaethje is in that same position, he's gonna roll, flip, spin. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be very difficult to stay attached to him. And I actually think that, like, from someone who used to be like a grappler, I'm not saying like I was a grappler like Charles Oliveira, but like I'd be trying to like fucking you know hang on guys, whatever, drag them down. Um, and and guys that were quick and and you know former wrestlers like Justin Gaethje that would go to that kind of defense where they're like just spinning all over the place. They were difficult. Like those are like the hardest guys to to stay attached to because you don't know which direction they're fucking going. There and you're getting sweaty and you're you know your 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 mind like your the lights are on you. It's getting hot in there. You know everyone's screaming, and then you don't know. And then next thing you know, you guys are apart. And now this guy's looking to come take your head off, right? As opposed to a guy like Habib that he just sucks away all the movement of a guy like Justin Gaethje, right? He gets attached to you and you're not going anywhere because he's locking his hands, he's putting you down and, and and you're thinking, right? He's got a hold of you and you're thinking of what direction can I go in, right? Because you're, you're, he's got a, such a great hold of, of you as opposed to Charles Oliveira where he's kind of like a go with the flow guy. He's like, a, I'm going to beat him to the next, you know, spot you know, into the next position, right, where he wants to go, and he kind of lets you go. Um, and I think this, that that's going to be a good matchup. Like I said, obviously, Oliveira could submit him. But on the feet, there's a big difference here. And uh, like you said, the later rounds, if Oliveira is getting this attritional work put on him, right, if you look at the stats, I think uh, Poirier, he didn't throw any leg kicks. He didn't throw any body kicks, and I think he got credited with maybe like two or three body shots. So, so there was no attritional work done to Oliveira. It was just uh, Poirier throwing bombs at his head, you know, and landing on most of them. I don't know what the stats are, but he landed most of them. But if if uh, Gaethje's chipping away at him, even if he doesn't finish him early, I think that the attempts of for takedowns for Oliveira, they're not going to be as solid later on in the fight. So people thinking that if Oliveira just survives – uh, later on, he's going to be able to get easy takedowns. I like I don't, you know, uh, go to that, you know, uh, uh, agree with that at all. Um, I think that actually it's going to be easier for uh, Gaethje to be picking his shots and, and cracking them with big shots as the fight goes on. So I'm definitely on 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 Justin Gaethje's side. You know, I think that the kicks that he's going to be able to throw. I, I mean, it's just this is an all in moment for Justin Gaethje and I'm getting him at plus 155. 
you know, against the guy who I think is going to need, you know, uh, 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 grappling, you know, mostly to, to, to finish him. I think if they're on the feed, they're exchanging punches. Like, you know, Justin could get clipped for sure. Oliver has some KO power, definitely. And I, I do give some uh, equity to the KO. But I think the, Gaethje knows this. He's going to be able to stay safe on the uh like on the defense after he has thrown these shots and that's when Oliver is more dangerous on the counter as opposed to a guy like Michael Chandler who he's more dangerous when he's going first and that's what you know got uh Justin uh, caught up there so I think that Gaethje lands these big shots on him eventually puts him out cold uh maybe you know starts dropping him a little bit with light kicks but as soon as this fight starts going downhill for Oliveira I think it starts going downhill fast you know, he always has that submission thread in the back pocket. But Justin Gaethje money line, I'm on it. I think he's going to be able to land clean, effectively, and often, uh, and eventually put away uh, Charles Oliveira. Nice, nice. So we're in agreement with that one. Like I said, I think we agree with almost every fight this week. Sorry if you guys like when we disagree, like when we go. We didn't head talk to head. about this at all before. That's true. Zero That's percent. true. Um, just seeing. I mean, we're also or most the dogs right i mean like almost almost all the sides we're siding with is the dogs a lot of dogs um, and uh yeah so best bet parlay of the week ozzy already mentioned it his go ahead and mention one more time yeah i'm going with melissa gatto on the money line we'll grade that at plus 135 you know the odds are going down i don't know it might go down more um, it might not. It might, you know, get a pop up from people that uh, like the Cortez side. Uh, I personally have it more uh, between 145 and 155, but 135, I think, is still good. I think she's gonna look good in this fight and uh, get the win. And I'm gonna go with uh, Justin, the highlight Gagey baby, plus 152. Um, I'm gonna do plus 134 for Gatto because it's uh, on FanDuel. So if you combine Gatto and Gagey right now, it's okay. plus 490 on FanDuel right now. That's probably one of the highest odds we've ever had. Uh, for our best bet parlay of the week, and I, I mean, I, I just like this card a lot. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, of interesting dogs, a few fun pick'em fights, uh, a good main event, good uh, co-main event, and uh, I'm just really excited. So, um, any closing thoughts here, Ozzy? No, definitely looking forward to it. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for Justin Gaethje at the end of the night. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, good card overall. I think good spots to to put to get your money in. Um, and I th- do think we could see some line movement towards the end of the uh, towards uh, fight day. And I think a lot of prop action that I think I'm gonna be adding in as well. Nice, nice. So uh, thank thank you all to uh, for listening to the podcast. Hope you all win some bets this weekend. Enjoy the fights, and we'll see you before the next UFC card next week. Make sure you're all uh, liking and subscribing, and uh, really appreciate everybody listening. Thanks for your continued support and. Uh, Enjoy the fights this weekend. Peace out, everyone. Later.